This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. Hello and welcome back. You may not recognize my voice lately because it's been a while since I've been here. Rahul, it's good to be back, my friend. It, it's good to have you back. For a second, I thought I was dreaming that you you were back and I was listening to your voice, but it's good to have you back. It's been a long time, uh, but we've we've kind of soldiered on without you in the, in in uh, in the last few weeks, and um, hopefully, you've tuned in and listened to some of the content that we've put together. Yeah, big thank you to all the guests that came in and, you know, filled the hot seat. I think they did a better job than me. I thought at one point I was going to get the call like Tuchel and said, look, it's not working out here. You need to leave the podcast. But <laughs> I think like Potter, you're trying to build something long term here with me. So I'm here to stay, but happy to see that. Why don't we get started with some international football? Because I think that will lead into what we want to talk about with Graham Potter and Chelsea later. Yes, so international break for the last few weeks uh, put a little damper on things in terms of Chelsea's perspective, but uh, you get the reason why the international teams got together ahead of the World Cup coming up here in the next six, seven weeks. Um, so we'll just focus on some of them, uh, mainly focus on the ones that we're following or close to. Uh, so we'll start with England. They went to Italy, uh, Nations League game where they lost 1-0. Uh, which means they're relegated from the A division uh, to the B division of the Nations League. Does it really matter? Not really, because at this point, England's focus, like we've said, is fully on on the World Cup. But you do want to win and and get a rhythm and get some form going in as a team. Uh, Second game against Germany, a friendly, I believe, and 2-0 down at one point. Kai Havertz getting on the score sheet, which was nice to see. Uh, England fight back uh, with the help of Mason Mount coming on, Reeves James providing an assist, um, and go 3-2 up, which is all of a sudden you forget about what happened in Italy, you forget about the first 60-70 minutes against Germany, uh, and you're almost upbeat about what's coming and what's going to happen uh, in Qatar. But England being England, throw that lead away, and it ends 3-3. I guess a fair result on at the end of the day, but... Um, if you're Garrett Southgate, you got to be disappointed. If you're the squad, you got to be disappointed. Uh, Jackie, a lot was made about Harry Maguire coming into the squad. He wasn't really playing for United. Luke Shaw was another one, but we'll focus on Maguire because he tends to start for England uh, and seems to be the the main piece for at least uh, Southgate in, in that defense. What do you make of this? If he continues to miss games or isn't picked for Manchester United, you're now heading into the World Cup. Do you? think Gareth Southgate still goes with him or do you think he says well ultimately I can't pick you because you haven't been playing you know full honesty I don't watch Gareth Southgate and his tactics enough until maybe the big tournaments and so with this this Nations League I haven't been able to follow as much but I'm going to treat him the same way we treated Thomas Tuchel and we expect from Graham Potter no favorites should be played you should be picking on those guys that are in form those guys that are playing week in week out and We all know Harry Maguire has struggled recently to get into the Man United squad. And even before that, Rahul, he's been poor on form. And so ultimately, why? I think England have a good enough team with enough center backs across the Premier League that he could pick someone else. Maybe he trusts Maguire. Maybe Maguire plays a bigger role behind in the dressing room. And so 
their reasons like that. But ultimately, football games are won on the pitch. And so you want to put your strongest 11 and the ones that are in form, as I said before, that need to be out there and are playing week in, week out. So I wouldn't comment as to what he will end up doing. But from my perspective, he shouldn't be picking him if he's not playing week in, week out. And he said himself he's going to pick players on form. So it's a little... uh weird when he calls on players that haven't been playing are not in form and Maguire did struggle through some of these games where he did make mistakes and did uh, lose his man or lose the position and and couldn't get back and and England did concede from some of those mistakes so it's interesting that he used this opportunity to continue to give Maguire minutes versus someone like a Tomori who has been doing pretty well in England yes he's young yes he has his limitations and a lot of learning to do but this is the time to do it instead of going into a tournament and saying, here you go, Tamori. I, I now yeah. want you to be the main person or, or you know, represent your country at the and, biggest and stage. You know what, Rahul? People say he's young and whatnot, but he's playing for AC Milan on the biggest stage. Right. They won the league together. It's not like Tamori just showed up from the second division and had a good season. Now he's in the England fold. He is a top center back. We complained about losing him. And so there's definitely value there as to the form piece goes. And if he's going to pick on form, We've seen this before. When you pick a couple of players, and I'm not saying Luke Shaw and Maguire out of form. We're, we're just having that discussion. You pick a couple of players out of form. It can kind of spread through the squad of one or two mistakes from one or two guys, and then it just kind of creeps all over. And honestly, England have been poor in recent times, so maybe he should change it up. Yeah, and he's got to. I mean, I know John Stone's got an injury, a hamstring injury, which may impact, uh, you know, Maguire's position and in, in going into the World Cup, which center backs are fit. So... Uh, again, a lot of football to be played between now and then, but you know the media and everyone's going to be talking about who is going and who's going to be on the plane and all of that stuff. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on it and continue the discussion and hopefully um, be able to maybe predict who ends up going yeah. as we get closer. Uh, but let's move a little bit closer to home. Uh, the U.S. men's national team also doing their preparation and and you know getting the squad together. Uh, they played Japan and lost 2-0, and then they drew against Saudi Arabia, which has caused our own panic here in the U.S. <laughs> in terms of are we are we going there just for three games, which are the group games? Are we actually going to be able to perform and get out of the group? Because, again, they're in the group with England, uh, Iran, and I forget who the fourth country is. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I'll look it up while you, you go ahead. But. So that's the question, right? Is after a long break between the uh, last time they were in the World Cup and now, a lot of the media here, a lot of the fans here are expecting the U.S. to do something big. And and I don't mean big by saying go and win the tournament, but at least make it out of the group, make it past the group of six, a round of 16. Uh, and then we see what happens. But like England, the, the U.S. team isn't in good form right now. And yep. Uh, Pulisic missed the first game. I know he featured against Saudi Arabia, but his fitness, his form, and that's a whole different topic because it's linked to Chelsea. Uh, but just looking at him for the U.S. team, it's going to be critical that he is ready to go because when he plays for the U.S. and he clicks, the U.S. click. Yeah, and that fourth team you were thinking about was Wales. That right, that's right, of course, them, so. yes. No, but just to bring it back to the United States, I think obviously some of these games don't mean much in terms of results now, but these guys need to start getting into a rhythm. The World Cup's not too far away. No disrespect to Japan and to Saudi Arabia. I think the U.S. and 
if Alex was here, I think he would probably back me up on that, saying that this is kind of a golden generation for the United States. Yes, they're young, but it's the same argument I had with Tamori. These young guys are playing across some of the biggest teams across the world, not just in Europe, but across the world now. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of expectation riding on their shoulders. And I think they could perform better. They can do better. The group is set up in such a way that they should be able to make it out of there if they're able to kind of pip Wales and maybe even Iran and go through it. But disappointing results. They just need to get their act together at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, they all do, right? And in of course, nothing is won right now. Like you said, nothing is being decided right now. But for players that are maybe on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. trying to break into the 11, these are the games and these are the opportunities that you need to take because ultimately, uh, I'm sure the coach or the manager or whoever it is, uh, you want to call for England, US, Ghana, Brazil, whoever, whatever team is going to the World Cup has a fairly decent idea of who maybe the first 15 players or 20 players yeah. are and there's space for someone to work their way in. But uh, if you're not doing it for your club and you're getting picked for the, the national team, that's when that's when you got to perform. Uh, but Jackie, let's take it even a little bit closer to home with with Ghana, and they are in the World Cup. Uh, I believe they're with Portugal, Uruguay, and again, I forget the four teams. So I know you will South Korea, yeah, South Korea. Uh, so that's a tough group, and and they have to almost get a win right out the gates, which is not going to be easy. Uh, but they played Brazil over this break and they lost Brazil being Brazil are, are always going to have the quality, the football, the the the, the fluid football. Uh, so it's going to be tough for a lot of teams to live with them, but they lost to them. And then they went ahead and won against Nicaragua, which was a good uh, way to kind of close out this period. And, and Ghana themselves have added quite a few names from Europe. I know Tariq Lamte is in part of that squad if I'm not wrong, uh, Inaki Williams from Atletico Bilbao is part of that squad. Uh, and so there's a lot of players that, you know, could have easily picked England or Spain, have ended up representing Ghana. And that's good for us because they bring a lot of experience, a lot of know-how of European football, but they haven't had the time to gel with the squad and they haven't had time to gel with the manager and his tactics. So that's my concern, but having those players and having that experience coming into the squad, of course, with the local talent and with the boys that play a little, a little bit closer to Ghana will always be nice and exciting to see. Yeah. And look, there's no shame losing to Brazil. Like you said, just to echo those sentiments, they are top, top squad, but it is a tough group and that's something that they need to be focused on. And I hate to say it this way, but Ghana may need to grind out some results. You may not want to go there and say, Oh, our plan is to go beat, you know, South Korea, eight nail, nine. We're going to just grind out results, get a win here, get a couple of draws there and try and squeeze through. I'm not trying to disrespect Ghana because I think they're a fantastic footballing nation. We grew up supporting them, watching them all the way through. But realistically, with Portugal and Uruguay in there, those are some tough sides. And South Korea, they run. And I mean, we know they're a very hardworking team as well. So Ghana is going to have to be on the A game. Definitely need to work really hard and We'll support them all the way through, but we want to make sure that they they have a good tournament as well. Yeah, and their first game is against Portugal. I just looked it up. So it's a tough start, uh, but Portugal Portugal themselves have had some dodgy results in the last couple of weeks. But uh, that was kind of a, a quick roundup on the international break uh, on, and, of course, focusing on some of the teams that we uh, are going to be following and will be following in, in, in the next couple of months. 
but Jackie, let's move on to the women's team for Chelsea. And and they their first game was postponed due to um, everything that was going on in, in England with the yep. Queen's passing. Uh, but they did get back uh, on the pitch and lost their first game against Liverpool. An unexpected defeat. I covered that with uh, Ben last week. They then won against Man City, which was a good way to bounce back. Uh, and just today, they won against West Ham after being 1-0 down pretty early. So they've kind of got their season back on track. They did lose the first game last season and ended up winning the league. Uh, but what have you made of this start in can they really afford results like they did against Liverpool? No, and I'm going to say something interesting here. Since we started covering the women, we've made a joke a few times about the usual names on the score sheet. And I think Kirby and Kerr are the two that stand out You know, every so often, every week, every game, they're on the score sheet. And yes, don't get me wrong, the others do chip in with goals. I think, in fact, we had won a few games last season where I'd say, oh, the center backs chipped in with a goal, right? Or the right wing backs coming in and scoring. And oh, from the from the bench, Erda's coming in and, and giving a goal or two. But I look at it week in, week out, Rahul, and I'm wondering, if Kerr and Kirby are not on there, is this Chelsea team the same? And I'm not trying to disrespect them because what they've done is completely incredible over the last few seasons. But I'm just watching and wondering, will someone be able to step up in the event that both of those two ladies are out of the starting lineup. That's my only concern about the Chelsea women's team. Other than that, I think back to bouncing into winning ways, but they're still a little bit off because the other women have started very strong as well. Yeah. And by the other women, you, you mainly mean Arsenal, Arsenal, Man United, Aston Villa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no disrespect to some of the other ones, but Arsenal do tend to be the ones that push us um, in the title race. United has started well and they may have a, a decent season too, but uh, coming back to your point about you know Kerr Kirby, uh, yes they are they are there to score the goals and they do uh, usually deliver. Mm-hmm. But in the event that they don't, uh, I mean I think Lauren James has started the season very well, uh, almost been compared to Aiden Hazard on the men's <laughs> side from a few years ago. Just just based on the silky movement, yep. the ability to shrug players off, carry a ball forward. So she's had a good start and hopefully, as you're saying. Not that we're wishing injury upon anyone, but if if rotation is made or if there's changes in the first 11, she continues that form. And then there's another player, Jackie, Beth England, who Mm -hmm. before Sam Kerr came in, was scoring for fun. She was the main person leading the line. Sam Kerr has come in. We know what she's done. But Beth England still is in the squad, still possesses the ability, has the talent. So it's going to be interesting to see how she works her way back into the squad and with the Champions League coming back uh, on, with the Conti Cup coming back on, with the FA Cup coming back on, Emma Hayes will make changes and will will rotate. And I think naturally you'll see Lauren James, England, but other players that 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 are in the squad come in and 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 hopefully deliver because that's that's what we expect of this team. Yeah, absolutely. But that that's on the women's side guys and and like we said they had a slow start but they've kind of picked it back up and uh won their latest game today they have another game uh next month they go kind of on a break right now uh october 16th against everton but good way to end this period of fixtures and and uh you know head into the next part of the season but coming to the men's side we left off on kind of a cliffhanger of a sort because Thomas Tuchel was let go. We did our episode. We look forward to Graham Potter 
Then her game against Fulham gets postponed. We look forward to the, the game at home against Salzburg. That ends 1-1. Um, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, you and I, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. But this almost is an opportunity for me to restart. Season mm-hmm. starts now. We have nine games in October, four in November. So that's 13 games between now and the World Cup break. You put a good run together. You put points on the board. Of course, we have a Champions League group to get through as well. You do some of those things. You get out the group. You, you put points on the board in the Premier League. And all of a sudden, you're going into this World Cup break saying, actually, you know what? Graham Potter has got something good going on. The players are believing. The players want to come back as soon as possible and continue this journey and see where it ends up. But on the flip side, couple of dodgy results players start doubting players start focusing on the world cup this picture could look a lot worse than it does right now and um i'm excited i want to put a positive spin on it say the season starts now let's go get it let's start off well palace away arsenal had their first game of the season against palace away they won but what are your thoughts on this and how do you see this going in the next few weeks and, and even the next month the season starts now is a very good way to put it. And I think, of course, we had the queen passing and, you know, rest in peace to her. But it kind of worked out nicely for Potter. And I mean that with the most respect out there because that pause, Rahul, almost gave him a preseason that he didn't have. Yes, he played the Salzburg game in between and he was able to kind of have a competitive match and get his feet wet with European competition. We know he's played in, I think, Europa League, but not the Champions League stage. And so... It was a perfect way for him to kind of get his feet wet there and then really take a step back and have a short preseason with these guys. And it's a bit unfortunate because international break came in between two, so he lost some of them. But he's doing what we want him to do, which is sit back, watch the team. Because realistically, if you look at Salzburg, there were some subtle changes, but the formation largely, in my opinion, was the same. So hopefully with him sitting back and looking at it, he's able to pick what he wants to do with the club because every manager wants to come in and put their stamp, their spin, their tactics, their ideas onto the pitch. And so this last few weeks are going to be critical. And so we're looking forward to what he's going to be able to show us on Saturday. And I hate to say he and Graham Potter and everything, because obviously a lot of this has to do with the players and how invested and how motivated they are as well. But The season does start now. He does have a great opportunity. The players, the club, the team has a great opportunity to reset and go from there. And maybe we can see something go on, but there's a lot of football to come. And so they have to really, really be focused before the World Cup comes in. So I agree with you, right? And and Ben kind of said the same thing about having the time, working on the training pitch. Um, But just to play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. here, he came in three weeks ago at this point, which was yep. when we, you and I recorded a, an episode together. So uh, three weeks on, one game played. Of course, there was always going to be the international break, so he knew that. But he had the opportunity to play that Fulham game. He had the opportunity to play the Liverpool game, which would have meant he had three games under his belt going into this break. Now he has one. He played a starting 11, mainly of senior players, uh, Aspilicueta played in their back three. Raheem Sterling played at left wing back. Um, I'm not sure this break has been a good thing for him and for the club because you will learn the most about your players in game. 
on the pitch. You're watching them. You're seeing how they're adapting to your tactics. And yes, the Salzburg game, like you mentioned, was a little bit different from the Tuchel era in the sense that we were playing a little more on the edge. We were trying to get forward as soon as possible. We weren't trying to go wide all the time, which was good to see. But for that to happen consistently, it has to happen during games. Yes, on the training pitch, it can happen. But like you said, the players weren't there. So now they've come back. They've maybe had two, three days going to this Palace game. Not enough time, in my opinion, to get your ideas across, get them to buy in, get them to be on side. I mean, we've spoken about it. Graham Potter comes in with the great reputation of mm-hmm. building something at Brighton, but winning things, we're not sure. Yes, he's Bowley's man, but do the players really respect that? How do the players see it? Yes, they'll give it their best, but from what I know of Chelsea and how we bounce back after managers is right away we go game from game to from game to game. We haven't had that now, and yes, we will have that. But again, Palace away goes south. We have Milan at home, which is a must win. That goes south. We have Wolves at home. We have Milan away. It's just well, look, I'll I'll say it this way, Rahul, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think when we bounce back with managers, it's typically again I say this with the utmost respect to Graham Potter. It's typically a world-renowned manager that's come in with a lot of credentials, and that's again not to discredit what Potter has done in Norway and what he's done with Brighton and even with Swansea for a little bit. But they've come from winning Champions Leagues and taking, you know, it, Italy to the World Cups, whatever the the case may be, where we come in with an elite, elite manager. And so the idea of a player having respect for the manager, I can see that with those kind of profiles. If we had got a Zinedine Zidane that walked through the door, for example, where it's like, oh, yeah, five Champions Leagues. <laughs> we had to respect this man. He's been there, done that. I think the reason I'm OK with the break, Chelsea sit in seventh. We're sitting in there with 10 points, and Arsenal is in first with 18 points. Okay, we have a game in hand, so there's a five-point difference if we win the game in hand. But you lose to Fulham, you lose to Liverpool, and then all this idea of respect <laughs> and you get to see your players on the on the pitch, that all goes out the window because they're like, That's yeah, Gaffer doesn't know what he's doing. We're going <laughs> lower and lower down the table. So either way you slice this, right? There's no right or wrong answer. It's just that's the idea I have of it. He's got some time to level head the pitch because regardless of the results you said this perfectly something was not right at Chelsea for a while so even if it's not tactics is changing even if he's using his emotional intelligence degree right and he's coming in there and settling everybody's nerves and settling everybody's negativity and we'll talk about negativity in a little bit later in the episode but trying to just get back to positive vibes Start the season now, start it fresh, <laughs> and go from there. Maybe, maybe maybe there's something he can do. Ultimately, I'm just here to support him. Yeah, I support him too, but I just see it as... And again, it was nobody's fault. It was just the circumstances that the club was put in and, and everything going on around the country, which you've got to respect. Mm-hmm. I just see it as as lost time to get real information and, and understanding of the players in-game. But again, you you have that now. You have, like I said, Palace, Milan, Wolves, Milan, Villa, <laughs> Brentford, United. So the games will just keep coming. And yes, and there's and big games. And there's three home games in this next nine games, which is which makes me a little uncomfortable because six times we're going to have to travel away. And I don't know what to expect. It's all based on the fact, and I covered this with uh, CFC Central, it's all based on one game where we're making all these judgments and calls, yep. right? Which is the Salzburg game, which we didn't win. We win that again, it's a different feeling, I think. But 
got to see how 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 palace goes and then we build from there and hopefully we continue to win and make it out of this this champions league group. yeah and with with that salzburg game we di- we didn't win but there are some positives which you had highlighted uh, obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about but really quickly i think the energy was up which is something that we are looking for at the very least when you talk about a bounce back with a new manager at least heads are not dropping yes we conceded a goal it is what it is and we're going to move forward from there but when heads are up and energy is positive, that's good. But let's talk about a little bit of negative energy, a little bit of problems <laughs> that we're hearing in the news. I think you had t- I had heard or you had sent me a link about a book that was released by Christian Pulisic. And oh my goodness, I wish Alex was here to discuss this with us today. But why don't you tell me what was said and we can kind of dissect that as well. Yeah, so it's a book from Pulisic called My Journey So Far, a 24-year-old poet <laughs> writing a book millionaire by the way (laughs) yeah publishing a book about his journey so far and look i said this with ben last episode his journey has been phenomenal Mm -hmm. he started off as a young kid his family moved him to germany where he goes as a as a young boy and doesn't really know the culture doesn't know the language he starts to learn all of that he makes his way to the dortmund team starts working with them he's playing with the likes of Aubameyang at a young age does well earns his move to the Premier League, which ultimately I believe was his goal, comes to Chelsea. And so it's been a good journey, right? You That's what dreams are made of. You and I would love that kind of journey. But you look at it and you're like, you're writing a book. Of course, it's commercially driven with the World Cup coming up. Why are you writing this book? Because there's nothing in this journey that we really don't know about. Of course, there's behind the scenes things like the Tuchel quote that he that came out, which which was something about the second leg against Real Madrid, where he was told he was going to be picked. He didn't end up playing. So he was dumbfounded, disappointed. Again, all right feelings, right? We would feel that too. I don't know if we'd be putting that out in the public domain, especially if Tuchel was still our manager. <laughs> uh, because when you're writing this, you don't know Tuchel's going to be fired two weeks before this happens. Um, so it just feels like, negative energy like you said but also just wrong timing in terms of things are being done in and around him he wants to leave over the summer he's blocked by Boley. Tuchel doesn't really pick him Graham Potter's in now we don't know how he sees him but Graham Potter is sitting back and reading these quotes and saying you have no issues writing about a manager writing about decisions from manager what are you going to do with me if I, you know, continue to leave you out or, you know, don't, don't decide to play you in a certain game. So that's where it's like the psychology of it doesn't make sense. Again, the book's going to come out. It may be a small thing that we're focusing on now in the bigger picture, but ultimately, like I said, in the last episode with Ben, the boy needs to do his talking on the pitch like he did in project restart, because nothing else is going to get you into the media. If you, Put out a book. Yes, people will talk about it. But if you're playing well, people will be like, whatever. He put a book out, but he's <laughs> performing on the pitch. He scored five goals, six goals. He's leading the U.S. team into the World Cup. I just, the timing feels wrong, and it just seems unnecessary at this point. Like I said, I'd love to hear Alex talk about it I because know, he yeah. may have a whole different perspective and view of it. But I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts about it, and I'll I'll share that with you here as well. But you said initially we would kill for a journey like his role. I'd kill for one-tenth of the journey that he's had <laughs> and where he's made it to. He's reached heights that are incredible. And I think he should be immensely proud of that because no matter how much we criticize him and what I'm about to say, he's been there and done that to have earned such a big money move, not only to Chelsea. Look at even at Dortmund at a young age, he proved himself. And so 
we've always said that, and Alex has been a staunch defender of him. There's talent there. It's just a matter of can he bring it consistently week in, week out, and then do his talking on the pitch. But coming to the book, you know, after Lukaku's interview, nothing is is surprising to me anymore because yes, <laughs> his interview was nuts. So Pulisic having a small quote about Thomas Tuchel in there. And to bring it full circle to, to Potter, right? Potter's probably going to see the news and say, don't care. He can write about me. I don't care. I'm going to pick the players. And I hope he does because we just talked about Gareth Southgate and picking on form. I'm going to pick the players that will do the best possible job in the formation that I outlined. And if he wants to write in my book that Graham Potter didn't pick me, boohoo, doesn't matter. You're <laughs> getting paid millions. I just looked it up. Christian Pulisic's net worth is about 40 million pounds. It doesn't matter if he's picked or not. And on the flip side of this, right, we criticize the player. We crit- criticize what they write. Football is a very, very short career. You've got people in and around them that have to help plump up that net worth. Who's to say Christian Pulisic wrote this book? It could be a ghostwriter. It could be family members. It could be an agent that, you know, Christian told him something in confidence and it just comes out printed in the book. I'm not saying one way or the other. My point is it's not really a big problem. Yes, negative energy is in and around the pitch. I think I want to focus more on his reactions when he's not picked, his reactions when he's subbed off early, his reactions if he misses a goal, because his attitude on the pitch and in the dressing room will really, really make a difference. If he puts a silly quote in the book, he's not the first player who's done this, by the way, and he's not the last player that will ever do this. Most people will just brush it off and move forward. So ultimately, I think you summed it up perfectly. Do your talking on the pitch. And and that's all we ask of him. And I think for him, the next 13 games, like we mentioned, are, are key because he wants to get his fitness up. I know he missed that game against Japan. Um and he does have an injury history that has haunted him at Chelsea. So going into the World Cup, he doesn't want to be injured. He wants to be fit. He wants to be ready to go. And he has the opportunity to impress Potter and put him in and say, go do your thing and, and get fit and not just contribute for Chelsea, but also for the U.S. team coming up uh, in the next month or so. But that's, I mean, there's a lot of other things in the news about the club that that let's not get into because we'll just need the whole episode about that. <laughs> uh, and we did, I did a, a full extensive episode with Ben about that, about the noise around Chelsea. And if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. It's a great episode. Uh, and it's a, it's a different perspective because you and I look at it as fans and we're like, here we go. We woke up to new news. Or we woke up to news about Chelsea, but Ben provides a perspective that mm-hmm. if he gets or finds out something and shares it, that's not necessarily him wanting to put Chelsea in the news. It's just a lot coming out of the club that is getting into the news. And and that's fair, right? But let's come back to this weekend. Palace away. Tough game. A London derby. One that we barely squeaked out last season away uh, at, at Crystal Palace. 1-0, I believe, was a Hakim Ziyech goal. Mm-hmm. A tough game, in my opinion. I think Graham Potter, I'm sure he's prepared. He's analyzed. He's seen them. But... What happens on the pitch, no one can predict. And uh, speaking of predictions, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the starting 11. Let's first talk about the formation. Do we continue to see a back three from Potter? I think so. I think he'll stick with that for now. But just to throw that out there, I did hear rumors that we played a behind-the-doors match, or behind-closed-doors match, sorry. And he was experimenting with a back four, maybe a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, something like that. So we'll not be surprised, but 
like we've outlined, he's only had one game and not all the players in front of him. So potentially he'll stick with a back three. So a three, four, three or a three, five, two, whatever you want to call it. Okay. So sticking to a back three, uh, before we get into who plays back three, let's just talk about the goalies for a second. So Kepa played that game against Salzburg. Mm-hmm. Mendy was injured. Uh, Mendy, I believe, is now back to fitness. So you have Kepa and Mendy both available. How do you see one this one going and who does he go with? Fresh start for everybody. And I think that's the beauty of having a new manager. He's had the opportunity to see Kepa in a game. He's had the opportunity to see more of Kepa in training. My guess is he's going to stick with Kepa just because we've had some questions and comments around Mendy's form lately. And we did say maybe Tuchel had a blind spot or maybe favoritism. I don't know. So the fact that he's had a chance to see Kepa more, I'm expecting he's going to stick with Kepa for now, but let's see. Okay. So just on that, if let's say Kepa makes an error or concedes a couple of goals, you now have a run of fixtures coming up. Do you then throw Mendy in? You take Kepa out because Mendy, by all all intents and purposes, is the number one. And I say in quotes, right? Because was the number one. Was the number one. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's expecting to come back yep. into the squad. So that's an that's an area where you don't want to create an issue out of nothing and make a player unhappy. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting one because, like you said, he's seen more of Kepa. Mendy's coming back. He could always play it off as you're not fit yet. But how does a goalie get fit if he doesn't play? So uh, definitely one to watch for. So let's talk about the back three, Jackie. We saw Espelicueta, Thiago Silva, and Cucurella, if I'm not wrong, in the first game. How do you see this one going? I mean, big money signings and Fofana and Kulubali did not play that game. Yes, they played that behind the door, uh, behind closed doors game. Do you see them coming back in? I would. I think if you're going to invest that much money, and I think... Todd Bowley and group knew that the players they bought were quality players, regardless of if they're Thomas Tuchel's players or if any manager came in. You're not spending 70, 80 odd million on a center back and saying you're not going to play in a back three where you need center backs. That's kind of strange to me. And Kulabali, he's been up and down, but he has been a top rated center back for years. And we've seen flashes of what he can do. So why not bring him back into the team? I think he brings some aggression and some physicality that we need. So I would go with Fofana, Thiago Silva, and uh, Kulabali. Okay, and that's fair. You think Thiago Silva with Brazil going away? Uh, I know he's come back uh, a few days before this this game, but does he get rested? Are we still debating his fitness at this time? <laughs> Thiago Silva wants to play till he's 40. He's asking for another year. I would give it to him. He's still very fit. So I- I'd play him if he's still feeling fit and fresh. Okay, that's fair. And he just turned 38, so happy yep. birthday to him. Uh, doesn't look like or doesn't play like he's 38, which is, <laughs> which is great. Uh, let's move on to, I guess, the midfield four. Um, Reese James, I think, is a, is a certain starter. Yeah. Uh, midfield is interesting, the two, because Conte is now back uh, from what we've seen. Jorginho has had a decent international break. Kovacic has always performed. Who ends up taking those two positions. There's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. There's Dennis Zakaria, who has not even played for the mm. club yet. There's Connor Gallagher, which we know doesn't really work in this in this position. Mason Mounts dropped deeper. What are your, your thoughts on this midfield? And Tuchel still wanted to buy more midfielders. I don't know where he was <laughs> going to fit all of these guys. And No, we have a lot of football. I think that Potter is going to lean on the senior guys to get started with and then obviously ease in some players. So I'm expecting Kovacic and Jorginho 
to start this game. Maybe Ruben Loftus-Cheek can have a shout. He he does bring that physicality, and then I'll expect Conte to come in in the last maybe 15, 20 minutes just to get back to fitness. Depend Depending on the, the Depending score, on the results, yeah. <laughs> He may come in earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, left wing back in... I mean, I thought this would be a straight shout between Kukureya and Chilwell. Haven't played Koulibaly in the back three here. I think uh, we now have to throw in Kukureya, Chilwell, and Raheem Sterling, the left wing back that we didn't know we had um, because he did play in that position. He did, I believe, score in that Salzburg game. How do you see this one going? Because one of these three players is going to play and the other two are going to be well, maybe Sterling not really, but Chilwell, I think, if he doesn't play, is the one suffering the most because he was getting in form. How do you see this going? So I have to take out of my head that the man, the <laughs> owners replaced Thomas Tuchel with another coach. And so I, 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 I'm expecting different tactics, but, it, but Thomas Tuchel was not let go because of tactics. And so my head is confused as to why we're playing Raheem Sterling in a left wing back position because we have a new coach now. Why would the new coach take a, an attacking play and put him in left wing back? But look, I think it's just going to take time for Potter to figure out who plays where. And I think he's got trust in, in Kukurea and that's why he played left center back. If we can bring Kulabali back into left center back, I think Kukurea will slide, slide up front into left wing back. I, I think while Raheem Sterling did well there i think we're losing more of his attacking threat by just keeping him a little more reserved you say that but in that <laughs> salzburg game raheem sterling played as a left wing back we've said that but he didn't really defend his yep. his his role was to just be focused on staying wide and attacking and i think that's where we saw the issue where we, I think we ended up conceding from that left side when the ball came in, and yes, Thiago Silva misses it, but I think Salzburg eventually realized that Raheem Sterling was asked not to. I'm not saying he wasn't defending. He was asked not to defend as much as a traditional wing back would because we wanted to play on the edge. We wanted to have the opportunity to to win the ball further up. That may happen again, and and in that case... Sterling may come back as a left wing back, which is bizarre to say because never did I think we bought Sterling for that position. Uh, but it's an interesting one again. It's it's so yeah, it's it's Potter's to figure out role, and I think if he continues to play attacking players just like Tuchel was in in wrong positions, eventually teams will find us out. If they find out that Raheem Sterling is not defending they will attack that right flank and you will start to complain like, oh, Cucurella can't defend. Or ben <laughs> I think there needs to be a balance. Potter will figure it out. If I see Raheem Sterling on, on the left wing back again, I will be surprised, but you, you never know, I guess. You, you never, again, and it comes back to, we, we haven't seen enough. We haven't yet. seen enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's say Cucurella plays. So that's our back uh, uh, mid midfield four. Front three. Now we have, a lot of players that could play in these positions. Mm-hmm. We have Broya, who's breaking through, who I believe was very good in that cameo he did against Salzburg, where he almost provided an assist, almost scored two. Aubameyang has come in and obviously not been fit, had his jaw issue. Tuchel was let go. Aubameyang still started against Salzburg. He hasn't scored yet. He's wearing the number nine, so I don't know if he, he will score. Um but who plays in this front three? We have Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, Aubameyang, Sterling, Pulisic, Ziyech, 
And I may even be forgetting Conor Gallagher could even somewhere fit in there. Ruben Loftus-Cheek could fit in there. Who's playing in this run three? Yeah, my head starts to spin because <laughs> I think eventually this formation will have to change to accommodate some of the more attacking players. But I think Obama Yang was brought in for the short-term solution. So I think he will be the starting player for now. And I think whether it's Thomas Tuchel that said this or Boley or even Potter, I think regardless of the number nine curse or not, Rahul, I think for Broha to learn from somebody like an Obama Yang and just become a little more clinical, I think will be amazing for him to come in as a sub last 15, 20 minutes. Obama Yang is 33, so he's not going to give me 90 minutes every single week. That's the opportunity for him to come in and really kind of figure out and, and come off Obama Yang's shadow and maybe even push him towards the end of the season and say, look, I can do the job as well. So I think he'll start to at least get 40. And regarding his fitness and all that, we've had a three-week break-ish where he's able to build back fitness, play behind closed doors, wears mask for his fractured jaw to heal and all that. So I think he'll start up front. Sterling has been our standout player. And I, I think so far I have to eat a little bit of humble pie because I was a little bit concerned about us signing another winger. But so far he's he's been a, a step above everybody we've had as far as attacking talent goes. On the right side, it gets very interesting. I think I think this is where you try to get the best out of Kai Havertz, where he's not going to play as a right side because I think Reese James has the engine to do that right wing back, right attacking midfielder position. And Kai Havertz can kind of float behind Obama Yang and almost play off of him or with him at that point. Yeah, I mean, Kai Havertz played as a center forward for Germany and scored twice. So he is in good form and I would continue to to play him based on the fact that he's got a couple of goals and mm-hmm. looks hungry and wants to perform. And that first, or I believe it was the second, no, it was the first one that he scored against England was outside the box. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. Um, I'd love for him to do that in a Chelsea <laughs> shirt. I, that would be more, I no, now I take that back. I was going to say that would be more fulfilling than the Champions League goal, but no, no I, I take that, that back. <laughs> uh, so, all right, that's your front three. And the good good 11, honestly, it's 11 that on their day should should get the win, should get the, the points. What is your score line? Don't hate me for this, but I'm going <laughs> to go for a one-one for now. I haven't, I haven't sold myself up to the the Potter free-flowing attacking. Nobody can score against us football just yet, so I'm going to go for a one-one. And if we win anything beyond this, I'll be ecstatic. All right, that's so you gave me all this attacking and like fun and you know. <laughs> And, and think of the players that we've Bali. left left out too, Rahul. Like that's something that Potter can experiment with either at halftime or with the 60, 70 minute. You've got Christian Pulusic, Mason Mount, who I love, I haven't even called Hakim Ziyech. I mean, I heard he was experimenting with uh, RLC as well. So there's a lot of different players that he could bring on and do. I see you shaking your head about Hakim Ziyech there. We wouldn't even get to that conversation now. He's <laughs> Yeah, let's let's not talk about it. There's another one that we didn't even touch about in midfield is Chalaba, who played as a, mm-hmm. yep, in the Jorginho position in the back, uh, in the closed door game. So again, that's another option that honestly wouldn't be a bad move. I don't know how it works in this, in this system with the back three and a, a double pivot. But Potter Potter may come up with a surprise or a magic trick, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jackie, just quickly, before we wrap it up, we've got two big games, two big derbies this weekend. The North London derby, Arsenal versus Tottenham, opens up the weekend. Uh, and then we've got the Manchester derby on Sunday. So quick thoughts, predictions. Do you think Arsenal continue their winning ways? Do you think Tottenham with Conte 
put a damper on things. I believe it's at the Emirates where Spurs haven't won in a very long time or ever, at least in the in recent history. How do you see this one going? So Arsenal are sitting in first with 18 points. Tottenham sitting in third with 17 points. I think if Antonio Conte wants to really launch his title challenge this season, this will be the game where he proves it. And I think he's the kind of manager that will fire up his players to do that. And I'm going for a Tottenham win in this game. Not a draw. I'm going for a Tottenham win for this game. Wow. That, that he's, was... he's just a different cheese, Antonio Conte. <laughs> he has a way of just firing up the guys for games, and I think he's going to do it. That's fair. I mean, Arteta has got his guys fired up too, and, and them bantering Brentford for beating them before the international break. Uh, let's talk about the Manchester Derby. So Pep Guardiola against Eric Ten Hag, uh, the battle of the bold managers. <laughs> um <laughs> But jokes aside, it's, again, a big game in the sense that Manchester United started off awfully, have come back very well. They beat Arsenal, I believe. They beat Liverpool. And so they're on a good run of, of you know, taking down the big boys. And mm-hmm. uh, Manchester City, they always have the ability to turn up and not turn up at the same time, if you know what I mean. So how do you see this going and and who do you think wins it? Manchester United really stepped up their game against Arsenal, I think it was two or three weeks ago, where they were able to actually put on a great performance and beat them. I think Manchester City might be a different level. And so I think even though Manchester United will raise their game, I think Manchester City will raise their game a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know what that means, though, Rahul. I don't know if that means Manchester United are going to to hold them back and get a draw to the result, or Manchester City are going to steamroll them and just say, not today, and and win the battle of the bald managers. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so just to play it safe, I'm going to go for a draw between the two. And it's at, it's at the Eddie Hud, and I think that may add to it. And Erling Haaland, Holland may be the difference ultimately because he just, just can't stop scoring. Yeah. And I'm imagining him going against uh, Martinez, not making any jokes about anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I I think a lot of, Great center backs would struggle against um, Holland, and he's been brilliant. He's been great for your fantasy team too. You're welcome. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's definitely it's going to be a fun game, and I'm just happy to have the Premier League back, and happy to have uh, games back on because it's been it's been a little slow the last few weeks. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe and follow us at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers. Uh, and Instagram and YouTube. If you're watching us, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please leave us a review on on Apple, uh, on Spotify, even on YouTube. Leave us a comment and let us know how much you're enjoying this. Uh, and let's connect with other fans. Uh, but we will be back next week uh, doing a Crystal Palace review and AC Milan, a reunion with Giroud Tamori uh, preview to, for that. So until then, stay safe and up to Chelsea. Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order 
You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.